Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another episode of A Good Drop. Buonasera. Benvenuto al nostro podcast. We, we are talking about Sangiovese, and uh, Sangiovese is yet another Italian wine. Wine all seems to come from Europe. How about that? Yeah, either uh, France or Italy for the most part. But for more information, please tune into the episode. I'm Stu. I'm Michael. Cheers. Cheers. So, would you like to translate that little bit of Italian you said earlier? Yeah, so that was, uh, good evening, welcome to our podcast. Ah. Yeah. Awesome. awesome. That, nice, and, nice and simple. Because, um, obviously, uh, this podcast is about Sangiovese, and it is a red Italian wine grape variety that uh, derives its name from the Latin Sangiv- uh, Jovis, meaning oh. the blood of Jupiter. And uh, it's usually got fresh, fruity flavors of strawberry with uh, light spiciness, but um, that flavor is easily changed because it's uh, very good at taking on um, oaky and even tarry flavors when it's aged in barrels. Yeah, it, it's, a, it's a very flexible wine that uh, seems to change its DNA based on where it's grown and what, yeah. cl- and what climate it's been grown in. And uh, I suppose before we get too much into it, let's talk about the history of it, because the history kind of defined how it was used mm. until until very recently, really. So uh, the first documented mention of Sangiovese was in the writings of Giovannatorio Saderni. I'm really glad in, you're produ- pronouncing these. In 1590. Now, Saderni notes that in uh, in Tuscany, the grape makes very good wine, but... If the winemaker is not careful, it risks turning into vinegar. But right. um, it wasn't until the 18th century that Sangiovese uh, received widespread attention throughout Tuscany and the rest of Italy and became the most widely planted grape in the region. And uh, in fact, in 1738, which was roughly when that happened, Cosino Trinzi described wines made from Sangiovese as excellent when blended with other varieties, but hard and acidic when made as wine by itself. Interesting. Mm, and uh, a similar description was uh, later penned by Giovanni Cosmo Villefranchi in uh, 1883, saying that the quality is dependent on the grapes with which it's blended. Oh my god. And that basically led to everyone treating it the same way as Cabernet Sauvignon, which is to go, this is a blending grape, we blend this, we never drink it by itself. Ever. (laughs) We blend it. And what that has led to is a lot of really great wines like Chianti, which are blended with Sangiovese, but also the almost impossibility of finding a straight Sangiovese, despite the fact that in Australia... Just like with Cabernet Sauvignon, it grows differently because the weather is different and is actually pretty bloody good when you drink it by itself. Yeah, and we're about to find that out. The Sangiovese grape vines in Australia have a very small footprint compared to other wines. 
only about 520 hectares yeah. of uh, of grape wines grown. And on, on a global scale, it's not growing particularly much at all. Like even Italy, who are the world's largest growers of the grape, only have something like 70,000 hectares. Yeah. Uh, the next biggest wine producer or Sangiovese producer is Corsica, about 2,200 hectares, which is hardly anything. Like, you can see, as soon as you get outside Italy, the manufacturing volume just drops, yeah. plummets. And what's, uh, what's really interesting is that even though on a global scale and compared to other wines, they're growing bugger all, mm. it is the most grown red grape variety in Italy. Yeah, which surprises me because I hadn't heard of it since until a couple of weeks ago, really, until we started doing research. Like, I'd seen it mentioned here and there, but I knew nothing about it. And, you know, for a wine that's, you know, freaking everywhere in Italy, mm. it flies well under the radar here and in the United States. Oh, yeah, though its popularity is slowly increasing. I mean, uh, considering that Australia's first plantings were done by Penfolds in the 1980s, when it was they <laughs> expanded their uh, Kalimna vineyard in the Barossa Valley. And um, that initial planting was only 440 hectares. Only 440. In, um, oh, sorry, in the, in the 1990s. That, that led to 440 hectares in the 90s from that first planting. But then by 2008, we were at the 520,000-odd that we have now. So Which it's, is probably, it's probably close to 700 at the moment, Yeah, so you know, it's 10 years later. Slow but steady growth. So it is increasing in popularity. It's just that I think that the Italians aren't really pushing it because... They want to keep it for themselves. They probably want to keep it for themselves. <laughs> and I think to, to some extent as well, they're very happy just sitting at home and drinking their vino and not really caring what anybody else does. Uh, so the Sangiovese we have sitting in front of us... What we'd expect to taste are things like uh, tart cherry, red plum, strawberry fig, roasted pepper, tomato, leather, clay, brick, tobacco, smoke, oregano, thyme, dried roses, and potpourri, and potentially a little bit of oak. That's a huge amount of flavors that we might find in our beverage. And uh, the official description from the winemaker says uh, that... um we get aromas of strawberry and plum. It's uh, and that we can expect a medium-bodied palate with layers of crisp red cherries and uh, spice, with the fruit layers of that are fresh and crunchy. And um, yeah, that it's a light-styled red. So Sangiovese sits about uh, sits roughly in the middle between Pinot Noir and Syrah or Shiraz, and that makes that makes it quite flexible in what you'd pair it with. But regardless of where it's grown, it always seems to exi- exhibit cherry flavours with more subtle notes of tomato. Yeah, and uh, this particular one that we're about to drink was grown by winemaker Adam Barton in South Australia. So slightly cooler climate. So slightly cooler climate, which should possibly result in it being a little closer to if it were grown in Italy. Hmm. I think South Australia is a little drier than Italy, however. Yeah. So temperature-wise, maybe similar, but the rest of it, hmm. not not so much. So this will this will be interesting. Yeah. And uh, I'm I'm going to taste, and then we will talk more about how it tastes. That's it. Uh, so while Mickle's tasting that, 
uh, I'll describe the two kinds of Sangiovese you might find. Uh, there's the fruit forward variety and the and the rustic variety. So a fruit forward variety, you'd expect things like uh, clove spices and cherries, like a Christmas drink. And the rustic or traditional Sangiovese has more uh, tannins, like uh, black tea, uh, dark chocolate and smoke flavors with hints of oregano or oregano in the aftertaste. Pair it Pair that one with rich steaks and pepper sauce. So, mm. what do you reckon? Yeah, so it's um, it is a very light, fruity, but uh, it's a fruit forward one. Mm, light, fruity, but the sort of um, I suppose mid tannins. It kind of a little fleshy wraps the tongue almost, but a very soft, fruity aftertaste and slight spice. I think interesting. It's my turn. Yeah, a very, very pleasant wine to drink, and uh, even the nose is quite nice. I can smell those tomatoes. I mean, compared to a lot of other full-bodied reds, it's quite light on the quite light on the nose, quite light on the fragrance, and that's a Sangiovese thing in general that they don't have a strong smell compared to a lot of other red wines. But the flavor profile is definitely there. That's not that's, light at yeah, all. That's, I mean, it, it's light on the palate, but mm. full in flavor. Yeah, yeah, full in flavor and complex and fruity and delicious. And a little bit sweet too. Just a hint of sweetness. But yeah, there's definitely the, those um, cherry and tomato flavors right there on top. Yeah. Yeah, it is definitely a, a wine that you'd have with a nice spag bowl. Mm. And that's um, spaghetti bolognese for for those of you who don't speak Australian. <laughs> yeah, or um, you know, a hearty Italian food, like um, like rustic homegrown Italian food, not um, not the Australian bastardized versions. Yeah, yeah, like um, like probably traditional even... Italian pizza. Mm, yeah, traditional Italian pizza, maybe a minestrone. Mm. Or Did a quite um, well, it's probably a bit heavy for. Uh, for creamy pastas. Yes, yes, you wouldn't want to have it with creamy pastas. But I, I could see this going quite well with a meat pie as well, actually. Meat pie. Or you, what about a Guinness pie? Oh, that'd be... I don't I, know. I the, could see that working because the Guinness pies are probably a little more bitter than the than this wine. So the sweetness would cut it slightly. And, yeah. yeah. So the, the, the Guinness pie would hide the, the back-end tannins and bitterness and allow the, the Ford flavours to come out a little more. Mm. And we haven't really left this sit for very long either. So by the end of the episode, we should find that we're experiencing the flavours a bit differently. So what? So so people can try and find this and fail to find this later. <laughs> what is it called? Yes, so this is the Cellarworks 2016 Sangiovese. As I mentioned earlier, it is uh, from South Australia, and if you wish to find it or find wines like it, this wine was available on uh, Naked Wines, and uh, the winemaker Adam Button sells a lot of wines through there. So you would undoubtedly find something similar. Okay, recording. So naturally, as we always do, that was our good drop. We uh, also have a top drop. Well, an honourable mention top drop today because it's it's a blend because it's really hard to find 
a straight Sangiovese. It really is. So the wine we've gone with today is actually is a blend of Sangiovese and Rosé. It's called well, it's called Table of Plenty Sangiovese Rosé 2018. It's from Gundagai and it retails for about $21 in Australia. It's a it's in the dry and savory spectrum thanks to the Sangiovese's naturally high tannins and acidity. Pretty in pale salmon pink, it shows white strawberry and nectarine aromas, savory yet juicy with a pristine core of strawberry and ruby grapefruit flavors. It has vibrant acidity and mouth-watering persistence, pure, light, and fresh yet stacks of flavor. Mm. Sounds pretty nice, actually. Yeah, I actually uh, I have a Sangiovese rosé at home, and I'm Ooh. thinking that I may need to try it now. Because, yeah, well, uh, it sounds like a very pleasant blend, but then they all are, aren't they? All they of all the all of the Sangiovese blends are apparently very nice, very pleasant, and there's yeah a lot of them. Yeah, it's like take your pick of blends, but as we said before, it's really hard to find just the straight versions of it. Yeah, well, certainly from the traditional, the traditional stuff grown in Italy. Yeah, and uh, I would imagine that the stuff they grow in France as well, because they do also grow a very small amount of Sangiovese grape in France. I'm guessing that they only blend, or would largely only blend as well. But the uh, the New World wine growers that are growing it, I think, are more inclined because of the difference in flavour to put it by itself as well as blending it. Yeah. I believe uh, California, where it's a similar climate to how to where they grow in Australia and some Australian wine regions, they would probably also be producing some straight Sangiovese as well as blends. Yeah, and because it's such a small growing area, they have to really decide what they're going to make of it before putting it to market or before they harvest it, really. Um, but I'm actually impressed that you have two, or that you had two in your wine rack, two straight Sangiovese. Yeah. Yeah, so I mean, after discovering how hard <laughs> it is to find straight Sangiovese, so am I. <laughs> Incredible. And uh, already in this short time of recording, I've noticed that the flavor has changed. Yeah. It's... A, a bit of air has helped it become more complex. Yeah, that bitterness has reduced somewhat. It was quite bitter to start with, but it, it's really mellowed out. Yeah, it's um, softened the tannins, softened the back end, yeah. and uh, yeah, mellowed that initial bite. Yeah, and of course, being such a rare, such a rare wine, such a rare wine, we were unable to find an odd drop for this episode, mm. as you might expect. So, if you do manage to get your hands on a bottle of Sangiovese, do be sure to let it breathe. Yeah, well, you should be letting all wines breathe. Yes. We occasionally rush these things because we're recording a podcast, but yeah. we shouldn't. But I don't think I could handle two of these. No, it's it's got very strong flavours, but mm. of course it's a full-bodied red. Yeah. It's a light full-bodied red, but it's still a full-bodied red. It's a very tomato-y full-bodied red. Mm, well, that too. <laughs> I'm, You know, I when when they say these things about the... This wine has flavors of tobacco and tomato and dark chocolate. Usually I'm like, yeah, yeah, okay. It's a nod in that direction. We'll wave chocolate over top of the bottle. And that's the kind of flavor you're expecting it out of it. But when they said tomato and cherry, 
that's all I can taste from this wine. Yeah, like it, it often just sounds like a lot of pomp and nonsense when people talk about the flavors and notes and things of wine. But yeah. if you're drinking a good wine, that's actually what you get from it. It's with the cheaper or not so good wines where they tell you that those flavors are in there, but you just have to take their word for it. Well, even some of the expensive wines, it's been... I have been unable to mm. taste these flavors. Yeah, it's it's the branding. The, yeah. yeah. As as we've often found in our blind taste test is it's the branding and not actually the quality that leads to the price. Yeah. In a lot of cases. <gasps> yeah, 90% branding. Although the more expensive wines do have better flavors most of the time. Yes. Uh, anyway, um, we've sort of gone off track now. Um, I haven't got much else really oh we should actually describe what the so the grapes are quite blue in color like a blue purple indigo is probably the right word quite a quite a tight bunch not not as tight as a um like not uh tight enough to be deforming they're still very round berries uh it's like a cone shape yeah you know that's about it cone shaped uh blue bluish purple mm. grapes that are not packed together. They're, I guess they're probably a little bit loose compared to some wine varieties, but tighter than you'd expect to see from a bunch of store-bought grapes. Right. And uh, I guess as well, just while we're describing things, we could describe the hue of the wine itself, which is kind of um, almost a blood red, which is fitting for the name meaning the blood of jupiter because it is uh a very it's a dark crimson almost yeah and it's a i guess more of an orangey red than a purple red as some wines can be yeah yeah there's there's almost a a rose hue to the lightest parts of it but towards the center where it's dark it's it's a yeah dark yeah red it's it, it's a red wine it looks like red wine <laughs> It tastes like nice, fresh, fruity red wine. Uh, so, if you liked us, if you liked listening to us stuff around and run out of things to talk about, smash that like button. Subscribe us to us on your favorite podcast app. We are a good drop all about alcohol on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, uh, your favorite podcast app, and uh, you can find us on the socials, Facebook and Instagram, and uh, we're also on YouTube as uh, a good drop podcast yeah and we've we've got a good old-fashioned website where you can go to for uh finding a specific episode or if you want to share a particular episode on your uh social media feed or if you want to share it to your friends you can find us at a gooddrop.com.au and if you've got any feedback questions comments a particular version of Sangiovese that you think is worth mentioning or um, if you're Italian and you'd like to have a go at me for terribly slaughtering my pronunciations butchering the Italian language then yeah go ahead and email us at uh, agooddrop at gmail.com awesome so be sure to tune in next time when we talk about Madeira yes funky cold Madeira yeah, it is. It's an island. It's a cake. It's a fortified wine. It's a song. It's a song. Well, no, funky called Medina is the song. Oh, Medina. <laughs> but every time I hear Madeira, I think funky called Medina. <laughs> it's probably the most unique wine 
we will be tasting this year. Well, that's a big call. You'll find out whether I'm right or wrong next week. So, until then, cheers. Cheers.